The Sailor Jimmy Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Rooftop Solutions. Stephen Smolko and his team are the best in the roofing business. Give us a call at 832-512-5758. Again, that's 832-512-5758. Welcome to the Sailor Jimmy Podcast. Your one-stop shop for raw takes on current events, sports, news, and everything in between. Inspiring people to chase their dreams, share their success stories, and find joy in life. Now, here's your captain at the helm, U.S. Navy veteran, Jimmy Rogers. Welcome in, everybody, to the Season 2, Episode 4 of the Soul Podcast. And, man, do we have a really awesome guest today. Before I bring him on, I want to bring on Kenny Pro, Kenneth Kirchhofer, a good friend of mine. Welcome to the show, Kenneth. Jimmy, thanks for having me. You bet. So next guy, I really don't know how to introduce you, man. Uh, I can do it, man. Six-time world <laughs> champ, two-time Hall of Famer. There you go. You know, uh, 15-time world champ, uh, five different partners, 35 <laughs> championships in overall total. The king of all kings, King Booker. But uh, no, nah, man, just Booker T. No, nah, man. How y'all doing? <laughs> thanks for taking the pressure off me, man. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> no, nah, man, we uh, on this on this show, we try to bring on people that have inspiring stories and have made impacts in the world and just been successful. So I had a chance to watch your documentary the other night and quite the story, very inspirational to me. I made the whole family watch it. So for real, man, thanks for being here. It's an honor to have you. Oh man, appreciate it. You know, the story of the a documentary was, it was something I really thought about, but it was something I really thought was necessary to be able to put something out there and let people you know, see that, watch you on television. They think, you know, that's the person you are, but to see the real person and you go through struggles just like they are. You play the hand you dealt and you try to make the best out of it. And I think that's what I've been doing for the last, just turned 57 years old, man. Uh, But uh, 57 years, man. Happy birthday. Yeah, Yeah, happy birthday. Appreciate it. I'll say I learned a lot about you that I didn't know. And I grew up watching the wrestling in the time where I thought wrestling was at its best, at its peak. It was. Uh, yeah. In your era. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't watch it as much anymore, but back in your day was when I was in front of the TV every Monday and Thursday night. And I learned a lot about you that I didn't know. So just an awesome story. I like to start the show off by doing rapid fire. So I'm going to throw some wrestlers' names at you. Mm. And we just want a one-word response of the <laughs> first <laughs> word that comes to mind. Uh, all right. You ready? Yeah, man. Scott yeah. Hall. Oh, man. One of kind. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Groundbreaking. The Rock. Next level. Undertaker. A general. DDP. Hardest working man in wrestling. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Legendary. Okay. Yeah. And I can sum those up, you know, relatively easy and relatively quick because those guys, you know, they made their marks in this business in so many different ways. You know, you throw a name out there like DDP. Of course, so he became world champion. He started wrestling when he was, you know, like 40 or something like that in his 40s. And But it's not the work that he's done in the ring that I think Dallas Page is going to be remembered for. I think it's going to be the work that he's done out of the ring as far as helping so many people, changing so many people's lives and, you know, just still trying to be that person that's, you know, trying to help somebody else. You want to expand on that more? Because I'm not aware. Like Dallas Page is a DDP yoga uh, program. He tell people, just say, for instance, you know, go from 500 pounds to, you know, you know, 180. Right. Um, changed their lives around guys that have gone through addiction problem. Um, got them off addiction and guys that have gone through injury, nursed those guys back to health. It has, uh, what do you call it? Uh, accountability house in Atlanta, Georgia, where he brings 
bring guys in and, you know, help them change their life. One of the guys was a Jake the Snake Roberts who had gone through so much, dealt with so many, you know, demons um, through right. his life and drugs was, you know, high on that list. But to be able to um, change a guy like Jake the Snake, you know, around 180 has been awesome. And there's been a lot of guys um, in the wrestling business, you know, somewhat like soldiers, man, uh, wounded warriors, right. man, wondering where they're going to go and get some help. And Dallas Page is that one guy out there that the guys know that they can go to and he's going to put them in that accountability house, but they got to be accountable for everything that they do. Um, I went to, actually, I've stayed at the accountability house. Oh, you, uh, you've you been know, there. But no, it's a, it's a huge house. It's nice. And I went to Atlanta and uh, he's like, book, come stay at the house. You know, and I went to the house and every door, every room in it got a lock on it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to be here too long. That seems like a jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, let me get it. I'm serious, man. It a, I mean, yeah. it had a freaking security lock on the outside of it. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. <laughs> he didn't want to stay the night. <laughs> but no, man, he's good people, man. He's a, a really good friend of mine. Well, that's well. good to hear, man. Yeah. It's good to know that there's, you know, we look at these, well, at least for me growing up when I was watching wrestling, like you guys were superheroes to us, but you guys are also humans and y'all take care of each other. Oh, yeah. And that's awesome. That's not my fault, is it? Kill it, man. He's always Kill working. It. You know, always working. Always working. Always, work. always working. Work. Work. It's probably the wife. Yeah. It's probably the wife. Yeah. You know, you know, He's checking uh, in. Another uh, Hall of Famer. Oh, man. My no wife. You, you know, I'm tell you right now, yeah. man. The, the house is crazy right now. I knew I had to come here today, but I had to go and pick my daughter up to take her to the hairdresser before I came here. And I was like, man, I'm so pressed for time. And I knew I couldn't say anything to my wife because she's like ripping and running, zipping and zipping all over the place right now as well, getting ready for her big day, you know. So I'm like, man, just shut up and get it done because it could be a problem right, right now. And, and so When is the big day? It's going to be on Friday, actually. This Friday? Uh, this Friday coming oh, up. Wow. Yeah, the wife is going to be stepping inside the Hall of Fame. That's a huge honor. Next to the king as well, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm next so Next to the king. Oh, man. You know what I mean? The king. I think that was my favorite character. Yeah, the king has to have a queen, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great because this is something that's totally unexpected for her to get this honor, the ultimate honor, to be able to thank the fans for this journey as well as for me to be able to induct her in. It's going to be a great night for, you know, me and the kids. Where's that uh, at? It's going to be in Dallas, Texas. Uh, yeah, so it's yeah. going to be right there in Arlington. So uh, we're going to be heading out tomorrow. Everything in the bus, boom, and I'm heading on down. Man. It's going to be a good trip. That's man. why you're golfing here. Yeah, man, I'm going to be golfing on Thursday with my cousin, man. And uh, last time he was here in Houston. Who's, who's better at golf? Between who? You and Kenneth. Uh, Ken, of course, Kenneth. Ken, <laughs> <much better. laughs> you, know, you know, once upon a time, you know, but I'm sure he's going to get it he back. Is the king I'm right sure now. he's going to. But my cousin Steve, uh, last time he came here uh, to Houston, him and I played. And uh, first three holes, man, he was on fire. He looked real good. But by the end of the day, man, oh, he was just beat up. And I just talked crap the whole time. Yeah. So I texted him. I said, this Got time, no crap talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Hey, people underestimate golf. By the time you get to the back nine, you're tired. It's yeah, not as it's a it's, a, it's not a it's a preparation game. I mean, you can't just wake up and go out there and think you're going to play a good round of golf, you know, off the sofa or anything. And then you can practice and go out and still not play a, a good round of golf. It's tricky. It's tricky.
tricky. I mean, the game is the trickiest thing I've ever played because I've been listening to like this, you know, mental way to play the game. You know, and they say the golf is a subconscious thing, you know, and it's true. And, and, and it says, you know, you know, write your signature and then try to trace it. It's not going to be the same. And I go, wow, that's, that's true. So you got to really be able to try to think subconsciously right. from a golf perspective, from a field perspective, because once you start thinking about it, you just, loses everything you know so it's such a mind game that i've loved to play i enjoy playing so much yeah yeah i feel like it'd be the same way like like you're shooting a free throw you get in your head and you miss one or two and then you, keep, you just keep missing yes I, and you got that routine you're supposed to you, you follow the routine but gets in your head it's a subconscious shot yeah. you know what's mayweather say hard work yeah easy work Hard work's easy work. You know, so, but for me, I love it. I love getting out and challenging myself. It's a game that you can never win. <laughs> you know, you're always challenging yourself to be better. And if you could just beat the boys, that's the only thing that matters. Yeah, that, that is so true. That's so true. Just win the day with the boys, bro. <laughs> that's, the only thing. that's the only thing that really matters, man. Just beat the boys, man. Sometimes you got to talk crap to get in the boys' head. Oh, bro. that's what I, I love Get doing. them thinking. Get them thinking. You know what I love doing? I, I, this is what I love doing. A part three. I don't care, 150 yards, whatever, 180 yards. I love to talk myself up to the tee box as I'm doing commentary for my own shot. And, <laughs> and, and so I'm taking the pressure totally off myself. Visualizing and, and, then, and then I hit a, a good shot and it lands perfectly. Oh, they really think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, so it totally get in their I've head. I've seen you hit a bunch of good shots. Oh, man, you know what? It's a game that I love playing and I'm getting close. I'm 57, and yeah. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. Getting more What's his handicap? Are you getting more time? I'm getting more time, but I think I'm getting more time to practice a little bit more mentally, more so than anything. There again, I beat my buddies. That's I all that normally, matters. I normally beat my buddies. I think my cousin, I think on Thursday, I'm going to I'm gonna wear him out on his own course. That's the good thing. He's going to be on a his, basket case. On his own course. And, and, and <laughs> since last time we played, I've picked up about 20 to 30 yards. Yeah. Off the tee, so oh man, I can't wait to just test it out. Man. I played yesterday. Oh, beautiful! Thing. I was sending him videos of my of yeah. only my good shots. I'm yeah, the world, and he's sending me videos and FaceTiming me. You know what I'm trying to do? Hey man, <laughs> heck yeah! Hey so, man, talk about how you and Kenneth met back in how long ago was that? Cypress Wood. Yeah, man, y'all met through golf. Could, yeah, but he was that was the heyday. I yeah. probably saw it maybe once or twice a month. Yeah, because you're yeah. on the road all the time. I was working so Tell, much back then. Yeah. But I must say, sometimes you meet people and it's just one of those things, you know, where it's like instant, you know, where you, I don't know, you just click. Yeah. And I think that's what happened with Ken and I. I don't think it was me being who I am or anything like that. I think, I think it's even still to this day, you know, because I would tell you right now, it's not too many people I get it get in my car and take a drive. I know. <laughs> That's why I'm so grateful, man. No, because friendship is pure and far between in this life. You know, if you die and you got five real friends, you're lucky. You know what I mean? You really are, you know. So I cherish our relationship, you know, since day one. And it's always just been about friendship, you know. Right. I see him, I give him a hug, you know. And it's probably the hardest hug you probably get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're making me love him even more he because be, yeah, just, you, the, you, the uh, fact that you asked him to do this for I don't me. Ask, but Booker and I, he knows I don't I never. Yeah. And that when you when we were talking about it, right. I was like, 
you know, and I know what this, uh, this is all about, and that's why I asked. Right. And I, he knows I'll probably want to – I'll probably get probably 10 years for something maybe. Yeah, I mean, but it's, been done. it's not much though, but, I you just, know, normally when my friends call me, I try to be there. I try you're to be old, there. When I broke yeah. my neck, you were there. Yeah, yeah. you come I mean, out and I, uh, inspire me, send me a video. It's the least I could do, you know. I got a friend, uh, his name's RVD, uh, Rob Van Dam. He's a wrestler. <laughs> and him and I used to be tag team partners back in the day, former tag team champions. And I called him and I was like, hey, man, I'm thinking about having a match, man. I need, but I need a tag team partner. You know, you think you can do it for me, man? He's like, yeah, bro. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> he huge ECW? Oh, yeah. He's ECW. Oh, yeah, he was the ECW TV champion for a long time. But that's what, oh, but he's a friend, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. And when you got friends like that, you know, you cherish it, you know, because it's few and far between, you know. So it's been a lot of years, and I lose track of the years because I try not to think about the years mm-hmm. in the past because I'm so thinking about the future and moving forward and and we're having so much more work yet still yet to be done. I always ask God just to give me enough time to finish my work, you know. So I got so much more work still yet to be done, you know, working with my youth, working with bringing my kids. Bringing the kids up. Bringing my, not just my kids, but my students, you know, my wrestling school right. and being able to make sure, you know, they get off on the right track, make sure they get tra- – I got like maybe 50 kids right now that's really like my kids. And that's what's really, really awesome. At the wrestling school? Yeah, my yeah. school. And, you know, and they're getting signed to, you know, places like WWE, and, you know, this new group called AEW. They get, you know, going around the world wrestling. And every one of them, they want my advice. You know, my phone's ringing off the hook. I'm like, my phone's been ringing yeah. today. Like, I, I was in California just last week. And these kids, uh, they was talking to me about, hey, man, you know, I've been wanting to come down to your school. And I was like, yeah, man, I talked to you, man. I got an email from you. And he was like, yeah, man, I wrote you that email. I said, look, man, I said, don't feel like I'm dissing you or anything when yeah. I don't get back with you. I say, bro, just bug me. Just keep bugging me. Yeah. All right. I say, if I don't call you back or I'll get back with you, keep bugging me. Right. And I got a uh, text message this morning from one of the guys. Hey, Booker T, this is such and such from Nana from California. Yeah, told me to call you on Tuesday. I, I texted back, yeah, I get back with you. And then text message came in again. Hey, man, this is such and such. Uh, you know, I'm friends with, you know, such and such. Right. You know, can you get me booked? You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, hey, man, I'll give you a call back. You know, so I know they're going to be bugging me all day today. So it's like, I love it. I love what I do. And working with young people is a passion. It seems like my time is like limited, right. but I still feel like, the work yet still needs to be done. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, I mean, for you, that's one thing I noticed, not to bring up the documentary again, but I noticed that you're still heavily involved with the sport and you mentor a lot of young people. And I think that especially you take the time to do that. So kudos to you, man. 2005. 2005, we opened our wrestling school. Man, we're getting close to, you know, 20 years of being able to work with young people. And there's a man by the name of Paul Bosch here in the city of Houston. He was the founder of the Boys and Girls Club mm-hmm. here in Houston. And he had his own wrestling organization as well, the Houston Wrestling here, you know, downtown Coliseum, Houston Coliseum. And he was like my mentor. I learned so much from, you know, Paul Bosch as far as what he did for young people. What he did for me, and I never got a chance to meet Paul Bosch, you know, throughout my life before he passed away in 1983. In 1991, I got a chance to, you know, buy Paul Bosch's ring, and this was Paul Bosch's ring. Mm. This ring is over 60 years old, and it just gives me a chance to keep his dream alive as well as keep me motivated towards, you know, just 
staying young and trying to, you know. Do you ever put yourself back in 30 years ago when you were the guy that was unknown trying to come up the ranks and all the people that helped you? Does that motivate you to help the youth now? Because we've all been in that spot in our lives where we're like, man, somebody give me an opportunity. Somebody help me. Somebody answer the phone. At least for me, I've put myself in those shoes many well, times. I feel like that might be part of it. It's this guy um, by the name of Bruce Gasarch. I talk about him in my documentary. And he gave me a chance. He gave me an opportunity. Right. And he believed in me. And he sponsored me to go to the wrestling school. And the only thing he told me, he said, man, if you ever had a chance to help someone, you know, do that. Yeah. You know, help them out. But I pulled him up. And I was like, yeah. I could do that. But when I went to wrestling school, I remember it was $3,000 to go to the school, and it was an eight-week course. And I was like, man, it's not a whole lot you can learn in eight weeks. But for well, me, that's... I got my foot in the door. I got, I was lucky. A lot of guys just washed out. So I was like, man, I'm going to open a wrestling school one day and give these guys a half of a chance at you know, getting into the business properly. So my wrestling school is a two-year course, and they get a chance to not just build you know, their wrestling skills, but you know, camaraderie character, you know, I try to mold them into positive young men and young women that treat them like soldiers and, you know, try to make them move up the ranks. And you have, yeah. you've got them in W. Oh, you got you know, one there. of my girls just got signed just two weeks ago. She started with me when she was 16 years old and she's only 20 now. And now she's in a major company getting ready to go around the world when she's been living with her parents. You know, so it's awesome for me to see and for me to be a part of and to know that I was a part of, you know, that happening. Right. But I always never really tried, never tried to take the credit or anything like that because I always make sure that they put the work in. And, you know, I always get the rub, you know, but I never really say, you know, these are my guys, right. you know, even though they say, you know, I'm Booker's guys. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I'll let them say it before I say it. Sure. But it's just awesome, you know, uh, being able to be in that position where I can help still this many years later. I find a very interesting. I was going to ask you, so you're working at a storage unit place, right? Yeah. And I don't even know if the time when you're working at the storage unit place, is wrestling even crossing your mind? Because you get approached by, was it your brother or yeah, a friend yeah, that says, yeah, yeah. hey, this wrestling school is open and you want to go and just try it out and see what happens. Wrestling's the farthest <laughs> thing from my mind. Um, I never do what I was going to do in life. Like I said in the documentary, Nobody never asked me when I was a kid what I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, nobody never <laughs> asked me And I never knew what I wanted to be. I never knew what I could be, but I knew I could be something. Of course, in life, you know, sometimes you make bad decisions, which I did as well. But I knew that I was, I knew I was meant to do something. I just didn't know what it was. I knew I wasn't going to be the kid that was going to be on the corner of my neighborhood for the next whatever, however many years. I knew that. Right. I just didn't know what I was going to do, but my plan was, you know, my training in the gym. I was in the gym working out. I was working out constantly, and I looked good. I was like, man, I, whatever. I was, I was like, somebody's going to pay me. <laughs> the Sailor Jimmy podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Rooftop Solutions. Steven Smolko and his team are the best in the roofing business. If you've noticed roof damages or signs of roof damage, suspect a leak, or have neighbors who've had roof repairs or replacements, chances are it's time to have your roof checked out. Our team of experts will inspect your roof for free and, if needed, guide you through the insurance claim process and restore or repair your roof to mint condition, leaving you with the peace of mind that comes with knowing your family and your largest investment are safe and secure. 
Give us a call at 832-512-5758. Again, that's 832-512-5758. You know, so, yeah. so that, that was my thought process. <laughs> like, nobody's going to outwork you. Nobody. <laughs> you know, I work really, really hard. Yeah. A buddy of mine, uh, his name is Darryl Bates. He got me into the gym as my training partner, and he, you know, always quoted "Body Beautiful." I lived by that, and I just knew working out in the gym, it was going to take me somewhere. I knew my body was going to take me somewhere. I got into bodybuilding early, and I thought that's what I wanted to do. And, and then I realized those guys had to diet. <laughs> so you didn't like that part. I love Popeye's chicken <laughs> way too much for this. <laughs> you know, so I never see eat. Shout out to Popeye's. I never see Booker eat. I well, think, I, don't I don't eat a whole lot. I don't eat a whole lot. I don't gorge your food or anything like that, but I can't diet. How do you not eat a lot and have such no, honestly, a big Today, I've had a protein bar and uh, three pieces of bacon. <laughs> there you go. There's my point. That's my point. Bacon's great. No, but I don't eat a whole lot. I, don't, I try to, you know, I'm the same weight that I've been for like the last, you know, 20 years plus. You, know. you never know if you might have to get back in the ring or something. Well, I'm he always prepared. I'm trying to, preparation <laughs> is the phone only call luck. might come. You never the only luck you're ever going to have is, is preparation. So I'm always prepared. You know, to get back in the ring at a moment's notice. So you could do it right now if you if you needed to or wanted to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah most definitely. Like your body could withstand the punishment. I, I think so. You never know, you know, what your body can take until you put yourself in right. a situation. But I haven't had any um, major problems or anything like that. I haven't had any injuries or anything like that. My doctors say I'm, I'm pretty healthy. So and you feel good. And I feel good. I feel like you know I can do. Last match I had was two years ago, and I wrestled for like twenty minutes. And I was. <laughs> Who did you wrestle? One of my students. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. One of my students. Oh, I, you know what? I saw a video of you. You remember Johnny Bravo? Yeah. Uh, he. I had him on the show four weeks ago. And I was like, man, I think I might get Booker T on the show. And he said, man, Booker T wrestled me when I was twenty years old at the radio station. They were doing some event. He show he pulls up this old video of Booker T slamming him on the good. He was one of my super plexus. He, he was one of my first proteges back in the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he literally was one of my first He's guys that I scouted. You know, do some stuff with me from my wrestling company because he looked good. You know, he was yeah. he was young back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a fireball too now, man. Yeah. He's doing yeah. well. Yeah, no, but Jenny, he's always been, you know, a good dude, man. We've always... He uh, does all of our auctioneer and MC stuff for the charity. He's great. Yeah. yeah. My favorite match ever, though, with you is in the grocery store with oh, Stone Cold. Yeah, that's not a match, man. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not a match, match but that's my favorite. Uh, Booker's like, in there shopping. He kept, I mean, he's trying to mind his own business. That's all I'm doing is buying my own business. Mind his own business. <laughs> no, but that's, you know, wrestling back then was... That was you know, fun to watch. Was, wrestling back then was creating moments. Yeah. And I think that's what we did better than... You know, especially this generation, you say, you know, you was watching it back then. It was the reason why, you know, grown men watch wrestling back yeah. then and why they were having, you know, watch parties, you know, because it felt like a, you know, you watching Cheers. Yeah. It was huge. You can watch Cheers. You fall in love with characters. I never missed it, Booker. You know, we, all the, all my neighborhood, they'd all come over Monday night. It was, like camp, I say, it was like watching down. Cheers because you could watch Stone yeah. Cold Steve Austin come out in the, with you know, his, that the, bony, the you beer, know, that, you the, know. Beer, the beer trucks. Oh, it was everybody. just crazy, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I'm just so intrigued though, like when y'all do stuff like that, like he comes out in his Zamboni, he's wrecking through stuff, he's destroying this, destroying that. Like, does Vincent Manor or whatever just say, like, hey, do what y'all want. I'll pay for it later. 
Well, everything is, everything is structured, but yeah, we'll pay for it later. But we're going to blow up a truck. God, he filled a Corvette uh, with concrete. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like, that kind of stuff. They just tore up one just on uh, Monday night. Yeah. And they just tore up a truck, you know, so brand yeah. new SUV. So it's like, it's just part of it. It's just, well, I, mean, I, I think it might got to be an insurance. good insurance. I just thought of something. Did you ever go on the, in the Piper pit? I never went in the pit. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. You know, Piper's era, I missed that era of WWE just because I was, you know, on the other, other side. I'm kind of glad I missed that era. I came into WWE right <laughs> at the right time. It was perfect for me because I was a wrestler. There was a bunch of wrestlers in the company. The gimmick had started fading out a little bit as far as wrestling goes when I came into WWF. So it fit me perfectly to kind of like <clears throat> excel. But I had to, you know, Learn character building, like, you know, having a fight with Stone Cold Steve Austin in the grocery store, working with Gold Dust. How did you learn that? Did they put you through classes or you just... No, they put you through, like, scenarios to where you have to, you know, learn it, you know. But it's almost like on-the-job training to see if you actually know how to do that kind of stuff. So, for me, there again, like, working with Gold Dust, it was like... like Two oddball characters working together, and, and our job is to okay. Let's see if we can make this work. Or it's like getting a character like King Booker, and, and me saying, okay, let me see if I can really make this work and really <clears throat> make people believe that I'm a real king. You know, yeah. and, and to actually do that, you know, that's the motive of a you know real wrestler. Yeah. Did you get the robe back? The robe? No, we never found them. I think we did find the robe. We found one of my one robes, of them. but we didn't. Uh, I think the red and white is already in the Hall warehouse. Of yeah, in the warehouse, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. They didn't have, I, didn't, I didn't take any of my crown. I didn't take my crown or my robe when I left. I should have. But I never looked at wrestling like that. You know, it's always yeah. been, you know, it's like championships. I mean, you know, it's all been good. Or, What's next, right? Yeah, it's just. You know, I just never really looked at it, you know, like most people do. You know, it's, it's always just from been, like a, just from like our side. Yeah, from your side, yeah. from my side, it's just a job. Yeah, I'm just going. Good to a lot of entertainers <laughs> do say Good the same point. thing. I mean, you talk to professional athletes that say the same thing. Like they love the game, but it's also their job. For me, it's always been just <clears> my <throat> job. It's never really been a game. I talked to. I was just. I did a seminar last week, and wrestling everything is a test. And I probably had about thirty kids, and I go. And it was done on purpose. I was smiling really, really hard. I said, said, hey, guys, all right, uh, who's ready to have some fun? And about 15 of them said, I'm ready, man. I go, you guys stand on this side. Here we go. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Hey, give me that phone, man, so I can cut that off. Who is that calling? Mayweather. Man. That's a Mayweather. Who is that? Vista Man? Huh? No, that's the boogeyman, man. (laughs) Oh, man. No, seriously, man. I said that. I go, uh, you guys uh, stand on the over here. Because, and I go, that was a test. You know, I yeah. say because, you know, I'm not here to have yeah. fun. Yeah. The guys that's serious, I need you guys on this side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys, you know, that was the second part, you know. So the guys that didn't say anything, they passed the test. Yeah. But these guys, they're just looking to have some fun. You, you know, want the people there that want to receive I need the work. guys there that's really looking to, you know. Make a career. Work. Yeah. I had one of my girl students. She goes, you know. I, you know, I think I'm going to leave, you know, because I thought this was going to be fun, you know. And I go, well, it's not fun, you know, yeah. all the time, you know. And I say, well, you might need to leave because we're not yeah. here just to have fun. Yeah. 
And she left. And about six months later, after she's gone all over the place, and she realized nothing was better than what she left. And she came back because she humbled herself, and she's one of my best wrestlers. That's now. awesome. She's gone to Japan. She's gone all over the country wrestling. Sometimes and, you got to be checked. Well, you got to have someone to tell you, you know, look, work. you know, we don't need that. Of course, you, I always say young people, they need a pat on the back just to have that confirmation, you know, man, I could do this. But they need to be told, look, man, you don't need to be doing that. And I know that because I was that kid. I wanted to be disciplined. Speaking from experience. I wanted someone to tell me, you know. Look, man, that's wrong for you to be doing that. If you want to do that, keep doing it. This is where you're going to end. I needed that. I know I did. I didn't have that. But I know if I had someone, and I always explain it like this. It's very, very simple. I say, when I was a kid, no one could tell me anything, right? You know, my my mother and my brothers, you know, my father had passed away. You know, the principal at school, the security guard, nobody could tell me anything. But I say, if Muhammad Ali would have told me the exact same thing everyone else had told me, I would have listened. I would have listened. You know, just because I was getting it from someone that I watched, you know, my whole life and I respected him and I know what he went through. And I know what he was willing to give up to go through it, you know. And I go, wow, now I'm in that position. And, you know, when I talk to kids, sometimes, you know, I say stuff to them that they're, you know, the parents can't really get across to them, such as I had a referee one day and he was doing a match. And, you know, he was a, a, a new kid. He had been with me uh, for a very little time. But, and he wasn't that good of a referee, but he did a good job that night. And I patted him on the back, man. I gave him a hug and I said, man, awesome job. Man, you did a great job tonight, man. And he started crying. You know, and his dad was there. And his dad was standing right next to us, you know. And it was like, man, maybe that was something his dad never gave him, you know, a pat on the back and told him, hey, man, you did great tonight, you know. You know, so, you know. He'll probably just, never forget that. Oh, the rest man. of his life. He'll never forget up it. another door. Then they can yeah. step through another door and go. Yeah. And that encouragement. Yeah. yeah. And that's Booker. I mean. Yeah, so you, you just know. keep getting W's. That's, I mean, but we were talking in the parking lot on the last month about getting up in the morning. You got to do it. I mean, you we sat there and talked. You said you got to do it. You asked me how I was doing. I said I work every day. Half you, you got to do it. Bottom line, even when you don't want to. Don't That's what really don't. defines the great people is that do it when they don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, when, it's when no one's looking. I tell it's people all the time, man. When I wake up in the morning. When I open my eyes, I go, I'm still here. (laughs) You already won. It's true. I'm serious, man. I'm serious. Have you seen that video on on social? They said, if I told you I'd give you a million dollars, but you ain't going to wake up tomorrow, would you still want that million dollars? No, thanks. No, thanks. So you're telling me every day you wake up, it's worth a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. No, I'm serious, man. When I wake up every day, I go... You touch yourself. You're like, I'm here. Yeah, I mean, all right, let's let's get the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get the day started. (laughs) Serious, man. So he does drink coffee. He's so healthy. I mean, he's healthy, healthy. Bro, I mean, it's scary sometimes, you know, the doctor tell me, you know, I'm clear, nothing's wrong, you know what I mean? But, you know, you never know when your time's going to come, you know. You just got to, you know, whatever you can do in between, you know. That's the only thing. That's what life's about, you know. You're going to be here Gonna time our time is gonna come, but what we do in between is the most important thing. I think so. I mean, yeah, I think it really is. You know, uh, Chad Fleming, he's a retired army. He was a high rank officer. He says when you're on your tombstone, you got the year you were born, 
in the year that you died, and there's a dash mark in the middle. He goes, what did you do during that dash mark? That's the truth, man. I and mean, I uh, that's what's going to be to be defined, how you're going to be defined. I believe in that 100%. Yeah. You know, we're all going to you think know, he was a captain. Shatters and dust. You know what yeah. I mean? But, you know, that's what we do in between. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> I'm a big movie buff, you know, and your life is a story to tell. You know, and somebody's going to read that story one day, and hopefully that story can, you know, right. you know, guide them somewhere. You know, that's what my book's about. I put a book out, it's called From Prison Promise. And it's just for me going to prison and screwing up and saying, what the hell? How the hell did this happen? You know, let's figure this out. Let's get out of here and let's move on. But uh, Your story is the epitome of the ultimate comeback. So yeah, I, I was truly inspired watching it, man. I didn't know all that stuff about you. I only knew you as Booker T, the wrestler and the badass. <laughs> and then I realized that you had a lot of issues when you were younger and you turned your life around and made something of yourself, man. It's, it's just... A lot of hard work, though. A lot of hard work. You know what, though? Life, I tell people, you know, my life before as a kid growing up, I had a good childhood. I really did. Until my mother passed away, you know, that's when things kind of like start changing. Mm -hmm. You know, but I always say, you never, you don't miss stuff you never had. Right. You know, so when I was a kid, the little that we had, it was enough, you know, so I didn't, I wasn't like missing anything. Right. Of course, at Christmas time, you know, we may not have gotten, you know, the biggest toys or the best toys, you know, but we got toys like everybody else. Right. You know, when it was time to go to school, we wouldn't get getting like hand-me-downs. You know, my sister, man, she makes sure she got us brand new clothes. However she got them, that's another story. <laughs> but, but we got them. <laughs> you do what you got to do. Shout out to sister. I'm just yeah. keeping it real. Yep. You know, life was good, you know, um, and then I lost my mom. Things changed, of course, and then you're in the middle of like a storm, you know, but other than my mother passing away, I really wouldn't, I think, I don't think I would change anything. I don't know what my life would be at now, though, you know what I mean, if mm. the situations were different. You know, if anything differently had changed in my life, I perhaps wouldn't be here having this conversation, right, right. honestly, you know, so I can't say, you know, anything other than, you know, my mother passing away, I wouldn't change anything. But I wonder, you know, if my mother not passing away when she did, what would my life had mm -hmm. turned out to be as well? So it's just like, you know, freaking tree got so many different branches, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? So just which way you, you know, take, you know, it's crazy. Well, so you said your life is a story. So if they made a movie about you, what would the movie be called? <laughs> Man, uh, Sucker. <laughs> you're right. Hey, you're right next to him. He'll let you have Sucker it. Sucker is good, man. I don't know, man. Uh, I never thought about, you know, a movie or anything. Uh, Can you dig it? It'll probably be close. Uh, but I don't know. It would have to be something powerful. That's something I'd have to think about just because yeah. I'm all about feel and making people feel a certain way when they hear, you know, something. And my story is there again. Like with the A&E documentaries, you know, a lot of the stories were you know, stories that you leave, you know, maybe scratching your head a little bit. But I wanted my story to, yeah. you know, leave people feeling like they could overcome, you know, anything. Anything. They could break down a freaking wall if you, if they had yeah, to. Yeah. There is no glass ceiling. Right. And I think the story would have to be something like that. The name of it, you know, the title would have to be something like that as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you did the A&E. When the A&E came out, I mean, you, you've seen it. it we had Kleenex everywhere. I told you that. Hey, man. You it's know, my so wife cried People need to time, hear that story. You know? But they need, I, yeah, I thought I knew Booker, yeah, too. There's, there's I thought I knew yeah. you, and then I watched that, and it's like, 
That's where the motivation comes from. You know, that's what drives me, man. That's what drives me every day, yeah. where I came from. It's not like, you know, I never think about going back or anything like that. I'm always there. I'm always in my old neighborhood just because I never want to forget where I came from. But I'm just humble yeah. in this life that I figured it out somehow. I don't know how, you know, I had no direction, you know. I think, you know, as crazy as it sounds, really, as crazy as it sounds, I learned so much in prison, mm. you know. Mm. That time in prison, I learned so mm. much about myself. And most of it was that I felt like I could do anything if I, well, that's one of the lessons that I learned in prison, one of the convicts said, man, you know, when you get out of your young blood, he said, you know, you could do anything, man. You know, you just act like it, you know, nine times out of ten, people believe it, you know. Mm. So I was like, man, that's, that's true, you know. And then I got out and I started working at the warehouse for this guy who helped me out. He had a buddy who was an actor, you know, he got small parts and stuff and whatnot. And he was, uh, came to the warehouse where I was working at for this guy. And, uh, he was like, man, I got this movie apart, man. I think, man, you'll be perfect for it, man. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> I'm freaking sweeping and, you know, you know, clocking, getting people, you know, stalls for their, you know, for their furniture and stuff. And now you want me to go read some lines for a movie. And I just got out of prison. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, no, man. What is going on? <laughs> I'm serious. Hit him with a chair. No, but he's with a chair. He goes, no, man, it's going to be, say, go to this whole hotel off of, I can't think of the, the name of the street. Go to this hotel, just check it out, you know, read these lines, and, yeah. you know, what do you got to lose? And I'll go, all right, man. Was he offering you any pay? It was no pay no at this pay. point in time. Yeah. And um, I went to this hotel, I read the lines, <laughs> you know, I went home, <laughs> you know, and I'd be doggone. About three weeks later, I got a phone call. From a producer from Paramount Pictures. Wow. Wanted me to be in the Chuck Norris movie. <clears throat> and that's what three was for. Yeah. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Wow. All I did was act like I was an actor. Yeah. And read it. Next <clears throat> thing you know, I got the part. You just never know. Just like that. <clears throat> you know, and I was like, wow. Dude was right. <clears throat> uh, because I'm not an actor. I just yeah. act like one. And I tell my students all the time now. That's one of the, one of the things I tell my students all the time. And I say, you don't have to actually be a professional wrestler. You just have to act like one. Yeah. But you got to do it very well. You got to be convincing. So we got to go through all of the steps, you know, and that opens their mind to they go, well, I don't have to be a, you know, Olympic wrestler. But I can still do this. I, I feel like you can apply that concept to a lot of things in life. Yeah. It's, it's, <clears throat> I, I've applied that concept to everything because just like say, for instance, I'm not the best reader. Okay. But if I act like Camelot, mm -hmm. I can read perfectly fine. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I can read the word so much better if I'm speaking it in a certain tone. Right. But for me, I'm like dyslexic and see it backwards sometimes mm -hmm. in certain words I might miss. But if I act like a character and read it, it it's totally perfectly fine. I don't understand yeah. that. But being able to act like it, sometimes you can believe it. Right. So, I think that's what life is. For sure. And you yeah. can sell it. Oh, and you can sell it. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's been my whole existence in professional wrestling because I've, I never played any sports. You know, I was in the band. <laughs> oh, really? Come on. You look like a linebacker. <laughs> oh, the drum If I was your football coach, I'm coming to Hey, man, come on. I never played any sports play because I didn't have the discipline <laughs> Yeah, uh, to, to play sport. I had a discipline to 
get in the classroom and bang out the books, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, man, that's not going to work out, but I could be in the band, you know what I mean? What's it like being in the middle of that ring in a sold out arena with 20,000 people screaming and raising the roof? I mean, what's that feel like? I mean, I can only, that's got to be the coolest thing. You got to miss that, man. I mean, you know what? I, I just wonder, I always wonder, what's that feel like? I don't, I loved it. It was great for me. I don't miss it from that perspective because right. it, it was really nerve wracking right. for me. You know, like a lot of people may look at it a lot differently, but for me, every time I went to the ring, I was really never nervous. I was really nervous. I was really kind of scared. I was on the edge. Yeah. So the more matches you had, it didn't never changed. It never went away. It never went away. Yeah. So when I, like it, when I, when I, when I got a chance, <clears throat> like now, I feel great. I love being, <clears throat> yeah. you know, at the stage where I'm at right now, I can go to the arena and I don't have to ever think about wrestling in the ring ever okay. again. I love that feeling now yeah. because I'm not on edge. I'm not like nervous. I'm not scared because I always want to be the best. I always want to do it better than everybody else. And to do that, you have to become it. Right. And it wasn't like, you know, like, say, for instance, somebody said, what are you going to do out there tonight? I don't know what I'm going to do out there tonight. You know, I, I wasn't one of those type of wrestlers. You're like, so focused on your job. I was focused on the fans yeah. and thinking yeah. about how can I make the fans feel. I tell my students today, I say, my ultimate, you know, thrill was to be able to look in the audience and actually see a real tear coming out of someone's eye. Yeah. And that takes skill to be able to make a fan feel a certain way inside to where it triggers their brain to create the tear that rolled out. That takes a lot of work. And uh, and for me, it's such an art. I had no time to think about anything other than the pressure that I was under to go out and try to create magic. Did you ever have a moment in the ring whenever you were like, Thinking back, I'm talking about in the moment, in the ring, you're in the ring, people are screaming and yelling, you want a match or something, and like you're thinking back, man, is this real life? Is this – because coming up from where you came from, I, mean, I know you worked very hard, but as a kid, you know, you faced all the odds against you. Yeah. And yeah. to get probably, to that probably, ultimate probably, moment. Probably winning like, the world title. Yeah. You know, probably winning the world title for the first time. I probably felt that way because – I never dreamt of being the world champion. I never thought about winning the world (laughs) title. It just wasn't my thought process. I wanted to be the best wrestler, but I never thought about winning the world title because I wouldn't necessarily say because it was something that was unattainable. I I just never let that be my motivation. I always thought if I was the best wrestler, everything else just comes along with it. Normally, that's the way life works. And normally at every job, if you're the best. You're going to get there. They're going to pay you to do what you do. Yeah. You know, and for me, I always banked on my talent. I always said, man, I know how good. I'm better than all these suckers, man. All these suckers. No, I mean, I just always always felt that way. Even as a young wrestler, you know, I would tell the wrestlers in the locker room, man, you know, I'm the best. You know, I'm like, go follow that, you know. And I don't know why I would talk like that or why I would do that kind of stuff, but I knew how good I was at going out and performing, and I knew that I could compete with anybody in the world doing this because, there again, nobody never asked me what I wanted to be in life. But I knew once I found professional wrestling, I could do this, and I could do this very well. I was exceptional. I knew how good I was from the beginning, from Coming out of the wrestling school, I knew I was better than everybody right. in my class. You know, it was just, I don't know. Yeah. It was just 
I tell people it was like deja vu. <laughs> it was like a place that I had been my whole life, and I had never been there before. Yeah. I've never practiced. You know, once I left the wrestling school, I, I don't practice. I don't think about it. I don't go home and write stuff down. It's just like in my head, like yeah. the Matrix, you know. And that's what's crazy about when I work with my students. And I'm like, why can't you get this? You should know this. And I'm like. Because it was so I, easy for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then yeah. I have to think for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. This kid's yeah. not me. So I'm having yeah. to explain it four or five different ways in order for them to understand it, you know. so Oh, man. I, I can't tell you how many times I have that thought. Not in wrestling, but. Other avenues of life. Yeah. Why don't they get it? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, come on. It's simple. Why? I mean, and I swear. And then I have to catch myself and go, wait a minute. Yeah. This kid's not me, you know, Can't make because I really picked it up like it was like a duck in water. You know, it was natural. second nature. Mm-hmm. It was like just natural for me to be a wrestler. And then when I realized you can get paid to do it. <laughs> Then you really liked it. He really, he's like, all in. Then. I was like, wait a minute. What? Let's go. You want to pay me? How much? I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> as well yeah. as my first trip on a plane, first time I had ever been on a plane, other state I had ever been in was out of Texas, was Louisiana, which that's where I was born. I was on a plane on my way to Japan to wrestle in 1991. And I had never did anything. I had never been anywhere and I'm on a play. I had, no, I had never been on a plane before and I'm on a 15 hour flight yeah. on my way to Japan to go wrestle. Yeah. I'm like, wow. How did y'all travel when y'all, like let's say Monday night's over, you go to the next town Thursday night. Did y'all get on a bus or did y'all no, fly? You have a rental car, according to how many miles it is. Yeah. If it's over 300 miles, you would fly. Yeah. If it's under 300, you would drive. Gotcha. So, you know, but even if, you, but if, you're, like, but if you're like overseas, or if you're like a top guy. No, I'm saying like in the WWE, like you're one of the main superstars. You're oh, same, same thing. Same, I mean, yeah. 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 You know, yeah. If, it's, if it's under 300 miles, you drive, it's over. Or a lot of those guys got big buses, you yeah. know, which take them around. Or if you're overseas, you know, you get there and you're on a bus going all over the place, you know, like a tour. Right. You know, but it was radical, man. It was yeah. like, I mean, come on, a 27-year-old kid who's never flown ghetto, 15, ain't never 15 been hours anywhere, yeah. and he's in Japan. Like, huh. What the hell is this? Yeah. You know, I'm like... <clears throat> wow, this is the way life is. You yeah. know, I mean, go from literally nothing to being known pretty much yeah. all over the world in a sh- pretty much relatively short amount of time, yeah. you know, uh, because it was crazy for the longest. I still had my six day a week job and I was famous around the world. Yeah. I would go places like to the Virgin Islands because I was on television on ESPN. Right. And people would know me, and I was like a big star. And I, I was still, you know, freaking working a six day a week job at home. And I was like, wow. And then I was like, man, maybe I should think about quitting my job. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's how big yeah. it was getting, but I was still scared yeah. to quit my job because I was lawyer. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I was like, man, you know, I think I might have to quit my job, you know. So it was one of those type of deals, you know. He just so his story just proves that anything's possible. Like, no matter what situation you're in. No matter how far down you're in that rabbit hole, you can climb yourself out and make something of yourself. I mean, you're gonna no matter make, what. Yeah, you're going to make mistakes in life. You're going to get arrested. Some people are going to go to jail. Some are going to go to prison. But big, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Problems, yeah. One of the biggest right? problems is blaming somebody yeah. else. Somebody else. Blaming your parents. Blaming your friends. Accept the responsibility. The cars, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. You control yourself. Yeah, yeah. You got to be – sometimes you got to be able to figure it out as yeah. far as how do I get out of this? You know, and, and sometimes, okay, of course, you know, we grow up, we're young, we have to, you know, go through that stage. 
You know, my kids right now, they're 11 years old and they're pretty astute. Sometimes you got to figure out. I know I found myself 13 years old and the world was wide open for me. I didn't have to do anything I didn't want to do. And I'm like, okay, I got to figure this out. (laughs) I'm I'm serious. Even at that age, I was trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? You know, figure out how to to eat and, you know, eat clothes on my back. You know what I mean? My mother, man, she, I mean, she paid rent. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, if I, you know, every month, you know, I got to figure out this world, you know. So I think that's one of the biggest problems is blaming someone. It, 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 again, it's a multitude of problems, you know, especially in the black area. The father's not being there, you know, to, to raise their kids. That's one of the biggest problems. You know, that we talk about, you know, the problem, just say, for instance, in Chicago with the, mm. you know, gangs and whatnot. Shootings. You know? and, 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 yeah. yeah, and the kids getting killed yeah. and whatnot. But most people don't think about anything but that only. They don't realize how they got into that situation. Most of them are born into that situation. Mm, right. And then you just say, for instance, you take a gang member. You think a gang member don't want his kid to go to college. You know, but if he doesn't have that resource for his kid to go to college, what is he going to do? Ride or die. It's just the way life is. You know, we got to eat. We got to figure it out. And then you fall into that cycle and it's a cycle that's going over and over and over. How do you fix that? People don't look at that more than anything. And I think that's where we need to think about if we're going to save that next generation. Do you have any ideals that you've thought of that would be good for as far as trying to fix those well one thing i do know with young people being one myself once you get past a certain age it's hard to reel you back in yeah Mm. you know so you got to start young young. you got to start with them young you know because i really feel like once you get past a certain age it's really really hard you know to reel one in especially just say for instance a real one in that's been making money you know well how did did you reel yourself in i mean you were there you were doing those things you shouldn't have been doing well, I mean, what real you know what? Or is it just something you, you know, your mom taught you when you were young? That is. That is right <clears throat> and, there. And, Having that mentorship and someone <laughs> telling you, hey, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Okay. My mother. You ultimately knew better. My you mother taught wrong. me. She used to say, Junior, you know right from wrong. Yeah. It's no gray area with that. <laughs> yeah. It really is. It really is. Yeah. No. If you got a brain. Good yeah. and bad. And you know, if you're doing this and you know if it's wrong. You can get in trouble for it and something can happen. Yeah. You tell people all the time, you put yourself in a situation, something can actually happen. Mm-hmm. No matter what it is, you put yourself in a situation. It could happen. Yeah. Whether you want it to or not, you put yourself <laughs> in a situation. So for me, I just felt like I got to take myself out of these situations in order for things not to ever happen to me again, like right. me ending up in prison. Right. If I stay in that same environment doing those same things... Get the same results. That's the only thing that's going to happen. And everybody that I was with that was part of, you know, my crime, they did the same thing. After that, they ended up getting in trouble. I left the city. I went to Atlanta, Georgia. I got away from everybody that I knew in order to try to make a change for me. And there again in life, the only person you can really count on in certain situations is yourself. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So... That's so true. It really is. You know, yeah. so I say, let me get, just get away from everybody that I know. Big reset and, and, button. Oh, um, it was crazy. And why did I do it? I don't even know yeah. why. But I left the city, got away from Houston. I went to Atlanta, got closer to wrestling. I said, let me really throw myself into this because this might end up being something. You know, this might be my ticket, you know, right. end up being my ticket, you know. 
but I had to make some decisions in order to, to make that happen. And one of them, like I said, the biggest one was getting away from everybody that I knew. I didn't know yeah. anybody in Atlanta. Nobody. And like you said, hit the reset button. Reset button. Yeah. Ch- changed his surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we all have to. Yeah. I mean, don't expect different results doing the same things over and over again. You got to change it. Yeah. 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 Well, Booker T, I want to congratulate you on a successful career, man. Thanks for coming out and spending some time with us today. Really, really appreciate it. It's an honor to have you on this show. And Kenneth, thank you for your part yeah. in it and being Thanks here as well. Thanks for having me. I love Booker and, <clears throat> and thank you. Hey, man. You're my brother. It's, a, I love it's you, bro. an honor having you here. Thank you, yeah, man. And Charmel. Yeah. Got two whole, hey, two Hall of Famers the in Royal the house. Tees, I got to ask you. When you won the championship for the first time, did you take the belt with you after that night? Or did Heck they- yeah, I took it every time. Do you mean, still have it? Until- no, I don't have it. I, I got you got to give it back. I got, when I got you a replica. Until I lost it. Every time you win the belt, you can't the- okay. take it home. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I should have hijacked the TV title uh, back <laughs> in the day because that's the one that, like, near and dear to my heart that kind of, like, put me on the map back in the day. But now, nah, man, I wasn't, you know, material things there again, man. Yeah. Right. I wasn't a material guy. You know, I, I love having that championship, but I think I love the title even more. The yeah. world champion. <laughs> Standing on the room. Hey, well, thanks for joining us today in the Tex Rex cool seat. That's Douglas Vaughn over there in the in the studio today. He's our sponsor. He makes the show happen. So, uh, thank you, Tex Rex. Shout out to you guys here in Texas. It seems each year the weather's becoming more and more extreme. Heating, air conditioning, and refrigeration maintenance, repair, and replacement can no longer be left to your run of the mill contractor. In today's world, you need a company that can provide not only top-notch services, but also provide excellent customer service and is reliable, honest, and professional. Well, folks, we're here to tell you, Texas Refrigeration and AC Services, better known as TX Racks, is the company you've been looking for. Texas-born, Texas-owned, with 30-plus years of experience, TX Racks offers a full range of services for residential and commercial heating, cooling, and refrigeration. If you're looking for the best of the best to handle your preventative maintenance, which will keep your equipment operating efficiently and prevent unnecessary breakdowns. If you're looking for a company that is well-trained in indoor air quality to keep your family and employees healthy and happy. If you're looking for a company with integrity, reliability, and great customer service, look no further. TX Racks has you covered. They offer a full range of air conditioning, heating, and refrigeration services using the most up-to-date technology and training with a mobile app to keep you informed about the arrival of your technician and the expert knowledge and experience to evaluate the quality of air you're breathing, along with always providing a live professional to take your call. TX Racks keeps Texas homes and businesses warm in the winter, cool in the summer, and keeps all of us covered with the best warranties in the business. Always on time, always dependable. Call TX Racks for all your cooling, heating, and air quality needs. TX Racks is your go-to in Texas. Always ready to rack up on satisfied customers. Call TX Racks today. We'll see you guys on the next episode of the Sailor Jimmy Podcast. Boom. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Sailor Jimmy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Jimmy, check us out on the web at SailorJimmy.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SailorJimmyTX, on Instagram at SailorJimmyTX, and on TikTok at SailorJimmy. We'll see you next time.